Welcome to Real World Enterprise Architecture. My name is Reggie. I make my living as an enterprise architect for a multinational corporation. And on this podcast, I discuss the practical ins and outs of enterprise architecture in the real world. So in the last podcast, I talked about what I called the three cornerstones of enterprise architecture. Now, these cornerstones, at least in my mind, really are the essence of enterprise architecture. When we strip away all the decorations and details, methods and processes, all the architecture modeling tools and frameworks and road mapping tools and portfolio management techniques, what we're really left with is just those three cornerstones. Well, that's the way I see it. And I really want to dig deeper into each of those cornerstones. We really need to understand them, what they mean, and and how to preserve them in the midst of all the details and noise and messiness of enterprise architecture in the wild. But first, I need to tell you a little something uh, about those cornerstones, something I didn't tell you last time. Now, partly that was because we didn't have enough time, but partly it was because it really would have muddied the waters. And it's this. Those cornerstones are based on the way I see enterprise architecture, the way I practice enterprise architecture. Now, there's a reason I do things the way I do them. And of course, I think it's the best way, and I'll get into that. But you'll likely encounter other ways. You may even be practicing other ways. Perhaps you've taken some classes that seem different from what I'm telling you. Uh, Maybe even drastically different from what I'm telling you. So I want you to understand a little bit about that larger spectrum. Now, there are three fundamental ways in which architecture is practiced in the real world. Uh, three, three schools of thought on enterprise architecture. I've personally encountered all three of them, but they didn't really gel in my mind, not as a, you know, a set of three things, at least until I read James LaPalm's 2012 paper, uh, The Three Schools of Thought on Enterprise Architecture. Now, James LaPalm is a Canadian college professor and enterprise architecture consultant. He, his research focuses on enterprise architecture, organizational transformation, and strategy management or strategic management. All right, so here are the three basic schools of thought, and I'm going to just uh, introduce each one of them, and then I'll get into each one of them in a little more detail. But in summary, the first one, the first school of thought is enterprise IT architecture. Enterprise and enterprise IT architecture looks at enterprise architecture in total as the glue between business and IT. It's the, it's where IT is the execution arm of technology implementation in the business. Okay, the second school of thought is enterprise integration, and in this second school of thought, enterprise architecture is the link between strategy and execution. Now that doesn't sound like it explains much, and it really doesn't, so I'm going to get into that in a little more detail uh, real quick here. And the third school is uh, what LaPalm calls enterprise adaption, where enterprise architecture is the driver of organizational innovation. So those are the three schools of thought on enterprise architecture. Enterprise IT architecture, enterprise integration, and enterprise adaption. All right, so let's talk about the first school of thought, which LaPalm calls enterprise IT architecture. With this school of thought, enterprise architecture is fundamentally about creating an IT architecture that supports the business. 
it is more or less what you might call a techno-economic approach, or put a different way, it, it aims to reduce the overall IT cost through technology reuse and the elimination of duplicated functionality. It's, it's really just a cost minimization exercise. Provide what the business needs at the lowest, I won't say the lowest possible cost, but a lowest reasonable cost. So in, in this school of thought, IT strategic planning and business enablement are top priorities. And you'll hear those terms a lot. Um, you'll, you, you know that you're practicing the school of thought when you hear things like IT strategic planning or business enablement or cost containment or reduced duplication or any of those kind of things. And, and, and also it's very focused on business and, and business inputs and requirements and taking them, well, almost as absolutes with the IT capabilities being designed around those needs. In other words, the business tells uh, IT what they need and IT's job is to execute it as efficiently as possible. This approach is more or less rooted in uh, kind of a tech culture. It's our software development culture. It's often assumed that IT planning is a, and this is pretty important, it's assumed that IT planning is a rational, deterministic, and economic process. And if that process is done correctly, the correct results will uh, be achieved. Following this school of thought, at least in any pure sense, ignores any of the organizational complexities and disruptive business forces that, uh, that an enterprise experiences and, uh, and can often lead to dissatisfied business users and unsustained business capabilities. On the other hand, for very stable organizations in very stable industries where cost competitiveness where cost competitiveness is a high priority and low IT expenditures are the norm this school of thought can work pretty well this school of thought enterprise IT architecture is really rooted in the earliest days of enterprise architecture uh, during a more stable time when the focus was primarily on business information systems and 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 that reminds me I'm I, I think I want to do a uh, an episode on the short history of enterprise architecture because I think it's very interesting and I think it's informative and I think you'll get a lot out of it. So I'll try to do that in a future episode. Okay, so let's talk about the second school of thought, which the Palm refers to as enterprise integration. Now, at this school of thought, enterprise architecture is fundamentally about integrating the business and technology aspects of the enterprise. It not, one is not more important than the other in this case. This uh, school is grounded in system thinking. It approaches enterprise design holistically or systemically. Uh, it aims to eliminate the contradictions between various enterprise policies and structures and technologies, uh, making it a sort of link between strategy and execution. So when, when I said that uh, La Palm really explained this as the link, enterprise architecture being the link between strategy and execution. That's what I mean, and, and, and it, I guess that really doesn't explain much. This, I think, does. So the approach really looks at things holistically and tries to eliminate what I refer to sometimes as the contradictions or impedance mismatches in, in engineering terminology. Alignment, harmony, and resonance and resonance between businesses and technology is a top priority. This school of thought looks at all aspects of the enterprises as a complex, a complex fabric that needs to be globally optimized and designed. Business inputs and requirements are reviewed in a broader context of strategy and goals. They're still considered important, uh, 
but some are more important than others. That's acknowledged. Um, important thing is that alignment and integration of the overall enterprise fabric are put as a top priority. Now, this can seem like a really enlightened school of thought, like this is the place you want to be. But uh, one big challenge with this school of thought is that the enterprise dynamics are often very difficult to discern, making it difficult to architect enterprise solutions. In other words, you can't know everything about everything going on in the enterprise. Now, if you could, and you could really just decompose all that, then this would be fairly easy to execute and almost be a no-brainer. But those things are not difficult. Not e no, they're not easy to uh, to figure out in a real enterprise. Another problem with this school of thought, especially for uh, large enterprises and sometimes even uh, medium enterprises too, is that it can be very difficult, if not downright impossible, to get your hands around the entire enterprise. And I see that a lot when I see people trying to map out the entire as-is architecture. The fact is, the enterprise is not going to stand still while you map it out. That's that's problem number one. And problem number two, um, it you'll, you'll, you'll probably, and especially in a large enterprise, you'll probably never get to the bottom of what all those dynamics are. In fact, I can probably say, I can say with some certainty that you'll never do it. It's just not going to, it's just not possible. Now, this school of thought is really rooted in uh, a wave of enterprise architecture that started to emerge in the, the early part of the, the first years of the 21st century when we saw a shift sort of away from uh, in, in business information systems to thinking about the larger enterprise. And that, that occurred around the turn of the 21st century, the early days of the 2000s. Okay, so now let's talk about this third school of enterprise architecture thought, enterprise adaption. This, this school of thought is nearly technology agnostic. It really doesn't care too much about technology because it doesn't want to. Technology is seen as just another environmental force to be dealt with, just something else to deal with. It's fundamental. Well, this, this, this school of thought is fundamentally focused on business strategy and organizational design. It, it, it really is very far removed from technology. It's grounded primarily in enterprise thinking. And what I mean by that is it's focused primarily on the, the design of the business within a larger ecosystem of business, environmental, and technological uh, forces. A key focus of uh, enterprise architecture under, under this school of thought is creating an enterprise that can easily adapt to its environment. Technology, business processes, just, just about any aspect of the enterprise you can think of um, uh, becomes a rapidly changing dynamic variable, just a variable that drives enterprise adaptability. Uh, disruptive change is a fundamental force to be reckoned with in this school of thought and everything else is just sort of a variable. Now, this can seem like the most enlightened school of thought uh, of the three. And there is a shred of truth to that. Um, but there are some significant challenges with this school of thought, especially for medium and large enterprises. It is, um, for lack of a better way to say it, borderline chaotic. Enterprise architects are really just advisors and facilitators in a rapidly changing dynamic dialogue inside the business where technology and processes and all, all of the sort of knobs you turn and enterprise architecture are just, just variables. This kind of enterprise architecture thinking works 
pretty well for small businesses uh, in a very dynamic and disruptive business environment. Even uh, It can even work for medium or large businesses that behave uh, sort of like a collection of small businesses in that kind of environment. But otherwise, but otherwise it can be extremely difficult to carry out. Um, we saw this school of thought really evolved as uh, practitioners started to see enterprise architecture, uh, start to shift their thinking of enterprise architecture to be more about designing the enterprise. And you still see a lot of that out there. And, and, and honestly, it, there is a limit to how effective it is. There are bits and pieces of it that are effective, but in, in large it, and, and for reasons I'll explain with my own thinking, uh, there's some challenges here. All right, so what's the point of all this? What, what, what does this matter anyway, these three schools of thought, this, this theoretical analysis uh, by uh, James LaPalm? Well, let's put Professor LaPalm's paper in context. Now, I don't know exactly how he went about conducting his research and, and coming to his conclusions, but I can wager a guess that it went something like this. Uh, in talking with architects over time and listening to them give talks, perhaps even reading blogs or papers, he probably developed a framework of a, of a hypothesis. In other words, he started to see a basic pattern emerge. He probably started to see these basic three things. He started to see the basic bones of his framework. Uh, then I'm guessing he interviewed um, a lot of architects from different enterprises and, and, and surveyed them and asked them specific questions and started to group their thinking into his framework. And he may have even uh, probably did adjust his framework a bit as he went so that the framework aligned with the data. And when it was all said and done, he had a set of data that basically uh, aligned with his framework. I mean, that's, that's how I would do it. Now, let me put a fine point on it. He took a lot of messy data and put it into three rather neat boxes. Now, I don't know that for 100%. I haven't talked to him, but I'm betting that's what he did because he'd have to do that because the world is not so clean. And, and while the way these architects operated probably did fit basically into these three uh, boxes, these three schools of thought, I dealt very seriously it was clean or pure. These really are not pure schools of thought. They are perspectives, belief systems, if you will, lenses through which to look at the practice of enterprise architecture. Practitioners, consultants, scholars, all of us typically gravitate toward one of these schools of thought or the other, but they're not pure and they're not playbooks. Perhaps a better way to say it is that their thinking is dominated by one of these schools of thought. I know that my thinking is dominated by one of these schools of thought. It's actually a hybrid of, of all three, a little bit, but it, it's dominated by one of them. I mostly subscribe to the enterprise integration school of thought because to me, that's the most effective. But I have to deal with some of the more practical aspects of enterprise architecture. So I inject a healthy dose of the first school of thought, enterprise IT architecture. I don't try to boil the ocean. It's just impossible to understand all the dynamics of the enterprise. So I try to understand what I can, what's most important. And what that means is there are a lot of times where I just take what the business wants to do as a requirement, as an absolute requirement. Well, 
I, I guess more accurately, I asked myself, is there any harm in doing what they asked? Is there any harm in doing exactly what they want me to do? Uh, if it's not a problem, then I just go with it. If it is a problem, then I deal with the problem. I have a discussion. I, I talk to them about it. And, and this is a really important and I don't try to architect the whole enterprise up front. There are a few big things I might try to do up front, but mostly I architect as I go, introducing solutions as appropriate, all the while looking at them through the lens of enterprise integration. And the, and this last and here, this, this and really starts to um, hint that me bringing in some aspects of enterprise adaption, because I do think that there is an aspect of enterprise adaption that, that's useful. A lot of things in my industry don't really change that quickly, but some things do. Some things change very quickly. So it's necessary to architect the enterprise in a way that allows the enterprise to adapt to those kinds of things. Now, I want you to remember that almost everything you'll hear on this podcast is grounded in my brand of enterprise architecture that I've kind of just described. It's basically uh, the school of thought that is enterprise integration with uh, some aspects of enterprise IT architecture and enterprise adaption um, sprinkled in for uh, practical reasons. So what brand of architecture does your organization practice and is it the most uh, appropriate kind for your organization? That's a question only you can answer. Remember, it's important to be grounded in a belief system. It's important to look at the information, all the information being thrown at you from all different angles, from the web, from podcasts, from books, from uh, conferences, whatever. Uh, look at that information um, through that belief system. It's important to look at all the ways you could do your job and do it the way that makes most sense. Well, that's it for now. So get out there and have yourself a good day. And remember, people are people and the world is a messy place. So don't be afraid to get a little dirty. Dirty.